0: Second day of the virtual basketball coaches' clinic. Uh, my name is Michael Harris, and I'd like to introduce you to our assistant men's basketball coach, Greg Ginkowski. Coach Ginkowski will speaking, uh, speak on preparing to recruit in a non recruiting position and relationship building. This session will focus on preparing to recruit and the importance of relationship building. Coach Jankowski's coaching history includes 10 postseason bursts and six conference championships teams. Coach Yonkowski started his basketball career at Kansas before taking positions at the University of Cincinnati and UCLA. Uh, Before we hear from Coach Yonkowski, I ask that if anyone has questions, to please ask your questions in the chat section so we can address them after Coach speaks. As a reminder, per NCAA rules, uh, no prospects can be on this call individually or with a coach. Um, Thank you, and now I'd like to introduce you to our men's basketball coach, Coach Greg Yonkowski. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Appreciate everybody joining us today. Uh, We got an exciting week, as you know, of clinics. Uh, It's got a tough act to follow today. Coach Carter did a really good job yesterday. But I'm going to share my screen with you guys. I put a little slideshow together. What I'm going to discuss today is uh, preparing to recruit from a support staff position. And what a support staff position is in college basketball, that's anybody who is a director of operations, a video coordinator. uh, graduate assistant student manager and I was in a lot of those roles over the last seven years and I you know I tried to take a lot of things from each staff I was a part of and help myself prepare for this jump to an assistant coach and I feel like a lot of the things here um, that I'm going to go through from my time in that support staff position I feel like it does relate a lot to also to high school coaches and junior college coaches and AU coaches I know we have some of those some of you guys on the call right now and I'm also going to go into some of the uh, relationship building techniques that I've used to kind of you know get where I am over the last couple years so my main focus today uh, I'm going to start off with talking about my journey to LMU and some of the things I've learned along the way from each program I've been at Uh, the second thing I'm going to go into preparing yourself to make that jump from a support staff position to an assistant coach and then number three uh, I'm going to talk about some relationship building techniques so I got started uh, as a student manager at the University of Kansas. I was there from August 2010 to May 2013. I was very fortunate to uh, get there at a great time. I think uh, we're about two years removed from winning the national championship, so I was lucky I stepped into a, uh, a program where everything was brand new, facilities, a practice gym, locker room, and uh, you know, as an 18-year-old kid having 24-hour access to Allen Fieldhouse, man, I was, I was truly living a dream. I uh, was lucky enough to be a part of some great teams there. Got to go to a Final Four uh, every year, won a Big 12 title. And obviously, I learned a lot of stuff from Coach Self and his, his staff. But some of the key takeaways from my time at Kansas, uh, first and foremost, was going out of your way to be nice to everyone. You know, the biggest thing about Bill Self is he he was the most big-time guy, but he never big-timed anybody. He, he took time for anyone, whether it was his Top assistant coach, you know, his newest student manager, the guy cleaning the floors. I mean, that guy went out of his way to be super nice to everyone. And that's something I've always tried to uh, take along the way is anytime I see somebody, I'm going to stop and make a little small talk and get to know them. That was probably the biggest takeaway was, you know, never, never lose sight of, you know, what we're doing and where you started and making sure you go out of your way to, to be nice to everyone and help everyone. Another thing I took away from that time was being more concerned with your own team than other teams. Um, we did a lot of scouting at Kansas and we were always well prepared, but we always wanted to make sure that they had to worry about what we were going to do offensively and defensively more so than what we were going to have to worry about what they might do. Uh, the third thing I took away and, uh, it was aggressive, always wins. Coach Self used to say that on the floor all the time to our players. You know, if there's a 50, 50 ball, a loose rebound, um, the aggressor is going to win. And I've tried to, uh, take that and use that along the way, especially in my career when it's trying to get a, you know, another job trying to, you know, get involved with a recruit is I can't sit around and wait for somebody to make the opportunity happen for me. I have to go ahead and take it just like everyone on this call. I mean, to take an hour out of your day to, you know, to listen, you know, you're being aggressive. You're trying to get better. And I really admire that. And that's something that I try to live by. After my time at Kansas, uh, I got really lucky. I was able to get on at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, Got to spend six of the best years of my life working for Coach Cronin under a variety of different roles I mean I mean look right there I've had a ton of different titles I think I even left some out uh once again another product of great timing Uh, I walked into Cincinnati going into uh Sean Kilpatrick's senior year he was one of the three or four best players in the country uh we had a great first year and we were able to build off that momentum for the next few years got to go to the NCAA tournament every year won multiple championships along the way and obviously you spend six years somewhere with somebody and a staff you uh you learn a lot. But some of the key takeaways I got from coach Cronin was first and foremost, he's a level five leader. You know, that's the highest compliment I think I can give somebody. Uh, my favorite book is by an author named Jim Collins called good to great. And he talks about uh, level five leadership A level four leader is somebody who is able to motivate his guys and get him, you know, to get them to do well. But once he's not there, the wheels fall off the engine, a level five leader, he builds a culture so strong that even if he's not there at the time, People underneath him can continue to carry on that culture. They have enough confidence in themselves to keep things going. And a great example, my second year at Cincinnati, uh, coach was sick. So he, he ended up missing the second half of the season, but we didn't miss a beat. Uh, we ended up making the NCAA tournament and actually winning a game that year. And it wasn't because of anything new we did or of anybody that came in to fill his spot or, you know, had these new ideas. It was because coach ingrained such a strong culture and a belief in what we were doing already at Cincinnati that we just continued doing what he wanted us to do. And we were able to uh, finish and have a great season, even with him watching from afar. Second thing I learned there uh, was the importance of staying connected. What I mean by that is both in recruiting and with your current players. Uh, My time there, I was fortunate. I learned from probably the best trio of assistant coaches you could ever be around. Uh, Darren Savino, Larry Davis, Antoine Jackson. Uh, as much as any head coach has influenced me, those three guys played a tremendous, uh, had a tremendous influence on where I am right now. And what always stuck out to me is those guys were always connected, whether it meant, you know, you could walk by their office and they had a player, current player in their office, making sure he was okay. Uh, maybe he had a tough day with coach at practice, and maybe talking him off the ledge, sometimes just checking in on his academics, checking in on how, how's mom and dad doing back home. The other part of that was those guys were always on the phone recruiting. Uh, they always knew what was going on. There was never an instance where Coach Cronin would ask them a question, and a guy didn't know the answer. And what I what I took from there is they all did it in very, uh, very different ways. They all had three unique styles, and I tried to take a little bit of each guy and uh, trying to do that here at LMU. Next thing I learned was the importance of being adaptable. Adaptability. Uh, from year to year, we had very different, uh, sometimes different personnel, uh, guys who could who were thrust into new roles that could do different things than the guys before them. Or maybe had some limitations in the guys before them and uh, coach was very good about you know being able to change his scheme year to year whether it was offensively or defensively to fit that personnel and even from a recruiting standpoint you know some years we really focused on hey we got to get a couple of good high school players that we can build here for three or four years then there were some years where, it's hey, a guy like Kyle Washington is on the uh, transfer market we need that guy we need to replace a Justin Jackson and have somebody that can come in and lock some shots and score the basket so he was never stuck in one way. Um, that was something that opened up, you know, my mind to, you know, doing things a lot differently than just because you you've done them five years ago a certain way, you know, coach, you know, he, he didn't mind if it was going to make the team better. He was willing to change on the fly. Uh, and Then something else I learned from him, he had a tremendous ability to recognize the non-obvious things that, you know, the average person might not see, uh, especially on the floor. Uh, one instance that really sticks out to me, and I, I didn't even realize it until Coach talked to me after the game, but years ago we were playing Marshall at home. Uh, they had a big lead on us. We, we stormed back. We, we cut it to three. They missed a shot with about 20 seconds left. We get the rebound. Clock's ticking, 15, 10. Everyone on the bench is yelling timeout. Coach doesn't call timeout because, and he explained to me afterwards, he noticed that our, our best player at the time, a kid by the name of Jacob Evans, he had a big guy on him. He figured Jacob was either at the you know, at the very worst going to get a good open shot or at the very best he was going to take, a, take, take him off the bounce, score, and get fouled. And he was right. You know, Jacob made a three uh, to go into overtime. He was really good at seeing things on the floor that maybe not everybody else noticed right away. Then when Coach left, I was blessed and fortunate enough where he took me to UCLA with him. So I spent the last year at UCLA here in the Los Angeles area as his uh, director of recruiting. My big takeaway from my time at UCLA um, was the importance of building relationships within the athletic department outside of your own basketball office. That was something I I definitely didn't do a very good job at, at uh, Cincinnati. I was so single track focused. I wanted to impress coach and I wanted to impress the staff and I was in the office as much as possible. When I got to UCLA, um, I got some great advice. I was able to gain another great mentor there, our assistant, assistant athletic director at UCLA, Chris Carlson, uh, told me the importance of, you know, getting to know people outside of your basketball office. So I took that to heart and, you know, every day I'd make sure I stopped in his office. I stopped and saw our academic people there. I stopped and saw saw our compliance office, our camps and clinics office facilities. I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, throughout my time at UCLA, I had a relationship with everybody in the athletic department because you never know where those people may be. You never know where, you know, the marketing intern may be in 10 years. He may be an athletic director somewhere. Uh, one of my really good friends in athletics, uh, I got to know him when he was an intern at Kansas. Uh, fast forward these 10 years later, he's now the director of development for the uh, athletic department at Ole Miss. So people you, you come across every day, you never know where they might be in five to 10 years. So it definitely doesn't cost anything to be nice. And right now, I was lucky this past March uh, to get in contact with Coach Johnson. Coach Johnson uh, offered me the opportunity to come become an assistant coach here at Loyola Marymount. Uh, and I've learned a lot in a short time. Uh, Number one thing is flexibility. Obviously, with the things going on right now in the world, uh, things have had to change on the fly. Sometimes you set plans, and we've had to change them. But Coach Johnson has had a tremendous ability to not get down with the current times, not not be upset, and uh, keep everyone afloat, keep everyone on the same page. And He's been able to keep us all very positive with everything going on right now in the world and stay connected together. Um, I've really learned a lot from him from uh, surrounding yourself with high achievers. I mean, you look at our staff. I come into work every day with, with Coach Johnson, who was super successful as the associate head coach at Marquette the last five years. He's got our program off and running. Uh, even though we haven't been on the court yet, he's established great relationships with our players, our donors, our community here in Los Angeles. But look at the staff he's, he's hired. We have Alan Edwards here, who's former head coach at Wyoming, played at Kentucky, uh, Coach Dave Carter played at St. Mary's, was the head coach at Nevada for many years. Uh, Ricky Munch, our director of operations, who's a superstar man. He was with the, the Milwaukee Bucks the last couple of years. I've been able to uh, learn so much from those guys over the last couple of months. And uh, I give a lot of credit to Coach Johnson for, you know, a lot of people get a job and they might not want to hire somebody who's been a former head coach who might have some ideas and he's hired two of them. And he's hired a guy like Ricky, you know, from the NBA who has a lot of ideas and coach has been very open to listening to all of us and, just really excited about what we're, what we're building and moving forward. Then the last piece, and I think this is the most important piece I've learned so far is i I termed it relationship accountability. Coach wants to make sure we're still connecting with our guys and we'll do weekly zoom meetings with our team, but he wants us calling those guys, you know, checking in throughout the week. And, you know, one thing we'll do in the mornings, coach wants to know, who'd you touch last night? Who'd, who were you able to get in touch with, touch with? What was he saying? How's he doing? How's his academics going? And, through that, him holding us accountable, that's been able to help us get a little bit of ahead of the game with staying in touch and building relationships with our players before we've even had a chance to meet some of them. So getting yeah, into the next part of my, my webinar here, I, like I said, I spent a lot of time in those support staff roles and I didn't wanna sit around you know, all those years and just hope something good was gonna happen for me. I wanted to be aggressive and you know, take the bull by the horn. So when I eventually got this opportunity, I wanted to be able to hit the ground running. So a couple things i'm going to go through Uh, first and foremost i think it's important to be where your feet are right as important and as much as you want to move up in the ladder you got to be able to be a star in your current role you know i tell people all the time you know don't try and bring recruiting ideas to the table if you're the video coordinator and you can't get the film to turn on right or if you're the director of ops and you may not know you know what the schedule is that day you know don't look to skip steps it's disrespectful to the business honor the game you know, be the best video coordinator in the country be the best director of ops in the country be the best graduate assistant in the country because if you if you're good enough at that naturally more things are going to come to your plate I also think too it's important to realize that already in your current role you're meeting a lot more people than you realize um, you know I, I can relate to you guys as a young person I was very nervous about am I meeting the right people do I have connections with high school coaches do I have connections with AU coaches well In your program, you're going to have unofficial visits. You're going to have a lot of official visits. You're going to have a lot of college coaches or high school coaches coming to visit practice in your workouts. You're going to have people coming to games. What are you doing when those people come? Are you going out of your way to shake their hand? Are you going out of your way to, uh, you know, have a little bit of conversation with them to get their contact information? Are you following up with them? I I think, you know, you have to start looking at who's the people around you right now that you already know, Uh, and especially, this upcoming year when you guys have visits when you have practices you know go out of your way to uh, make sure you, you know you get a chance to know the people that are coming through your gym you, you never know you know who, who they might know where they might be in a couple of years. I also think you know, make sure you're you getting to know your current players right uh, you want to get involved in recruiting and become an assistant coach Well all those guys on your team right now they played for a high school coach or an AU coach and you're going to come across those people a lot and it's very important to make sure you, you, know, you treat them with respect and get to know them. Next thing uh one thing I tried to do uh at Cincinnati and I did obviously this past year at u c l a was I tried to get to know a lot of people in recruiting services and this is something I think high school coaches too you guys you know you can go to these events and, and get to meet these guys but one thing I did was uh you know different assistant coaches have relationships with different guys, different recruiting services from their times, and all those people send them an invoice every year right to make sure they get their money and get paid for the following. Year for their service. What I used to try to do is I would try to take those invoices off everybody. I would say, Hey, Coach Savino, you know, Hey, who do you need me to contact for your invoice? He said, No, reach out to so and so. Send me his number. Coach Jack said, Who do you need me to reach out to? What this does, it it does two things for you. It's a very easy way for you to add value to your staff, right? Take things off their plate, and it's a great excuse for you to start building relationships with people that are in the know, Uh, people that are around recruits, people that have information. You know, also when you're speaking to these people, make sure you're separating yourself by being different, right? A lot of college coaches are very transactional. They just want to call people when it's time to, you know, get information. Make sure you're going out of your way to build those relationships outside of just, hey, where do you have so-and-so ranked or what are you hearing about so-and-so? And And then one thing I did this past year at UCLA, I tried to take all our reports because you get so many of them. Sometimes there's 10 to 20 that staff will take. I created a database where all coaches had to do was, click on a guy's name, every report, every, everything that someone said about him would come up. And I think there's a lot of ways. Obviously, if you have the tools to do that, uh, go ahead and do that. But if not, um, you know, Excel sheets would be a great idea, or even just having everything organized, you know, where if somebody asks, hey, what did so-and-so have to say about him, you could pull out his report real quick. Next thing, uh, you know, we're lucky right now that there's enough of resources out there to get your eyes on most kids from your office. Uh, you really don't have to necessarily be at a game to see a game, right? There's a lot of great tools now, huddle, um, all different kinds of services, full, full game YouTube videos. You can find a couple games of certain players. And what I would like to do is I'd always like to, obviously, I'd like to watch a full game, but I'd like to break, make some breakdowns, you know, a short breakdown, give our staff a feel for their strength and weaknesses, um, make things easier. If coach Cronin was like, Hey, Jules Bernard, you know, what, what, you know, has anybody seen him? I could be like, hey, coach, I got this quick edit on him. Bang, bang, these are the three things he does well. These are a couple of things he doesn't do very well. What it does is it lets everyone know that, you know, you're interested. You want to take the next step. But it's also a great way to stay involved in staff conversations, right? If your staff knows that you're doing, you know, you're watching a lot of film on guys, they're going to ask you, right? At UCLA, everyone knew that even though they may have been able to go see guys, I was still getting an eye on them. So they would come in my office the next day. Hey, I saw so-and-so last night. This is what I thought. What have you seen? It's a great way to develop your evaluation skills. You know, keep your own notes on the film you're watching so you can go back three, four years from now. Was I off on that guy? Did I project him wrong? Or, hey, man, maybe that was, maybe that was a really good call. So just, you know, it's a great way to develop your evaluation skills. Like, right, We all watch film on X's and O's to try and develop our eye for coaching in the game and ideas for plays. Do the same thing with recruiting uh next thing i used to do a lot I, I i got very involved in our clinics and camps uh we ran a coaches clinic at cincinnati for the first time we ran one at ucla last year for the first time at uh at ucla in six years i think that's a great way to not only help you but help your coaching staff build relationships with coaches in the area uh everyone wants to learn man especially out here in la i, I came out here last year and i didn't know anybody i mean i was at cincinnati As an assistant coach my last year recruiting the entire East coast, uh, never went West. So I came out here and I knew if I was ever going to get back on the road, I had to somehow some way create a way for me to get to know some people, you know, without being, without being annoying. So we had a coach's clinic. Um, it was a great success. I was able to build relationships with some guys who maybe we weren't recruiting their guys at UCLA, but maybe I'm going to recruit their guys down the road somewhere. Um, also, I I would say this to you, I know a lot of high school coaches, especially back east, that have their own clinics. Um, I think that's a great way, if you're a high school coach, you know, have a clinic. Not only is it a great way to get some college coaches to come and speak, but it's also a good way to develop relationships with maybe some of the AAU coaches, maybe some of the middle school coaches in your area. Uh, And also, by taking the lead on this and, and hosting these things, you become a source of information, right? People start coming to you for details. It's a great way for you to think ahead and help ease the transition to being an assistant coach. There's guys I've been able to call at LMU when I first got the job that I already had a relationship with because I had them at my coach's clinic at UCLA. And it's also a tremendous practice for you for recruiting, right? If your name is on something, you're going to do all you can to make sure people sign up and have a great experience. And that's certainly a, you know, a great way to get some practice for you. Also, I think it's very important if you're a, you know, in a support staff role right now, Make sure you take that recruiting exam every year. Uh, your assistant coaches and your head coach every year take an exam that they have to pass. They got to get at least a 24 out of 30 for the, to be able to recruit. Um, I took it every year at Cincinnati, just because I wanted to stay ready. Right, you never know when someone may go may go down and you get the call up, and it happened. That actually happened to me twice, and because I was prepared and you know ready to go, you know it was such an easy transition. I didn't have to stress about passing a test. Um, so if you're in one of those roles, I, I I strongly suggest you to make sure you take that exam and uh, you know, get to know your compliance director, get to know the people in your admissions office. Uh, helps you know, with your assistant coaches and it makes your head coach's life easier if they can hand you a transcript and you have a good enough relationship with someone, you can take down the hall and be like, hey, can you give, give us a quick look? Um, another thing I, I did, I, I, this year I took over our like recruiting and coach tickets at, at the games it was a great way for me to connect with people. People knew they had to go through me to uh, they had to reach out to me to get tickets for the games, to, to be signed up, to come watch a UCLA game. And that gave me another excuse to uh, get to know some people over the, over the past year. Then I would encourage you all to start building your own recruiting list, right? If you were to be interviewed, you know, if Stan Johnson called you right now and wants to interview you for an assistant spot, would you have a list ready? Would you be able to hit the ground running and, I, I say to you, don't have a list where it's just 100, 200 names of everybody, you know, on the West Coast or in the country. Make a list of specific people that you may have a relationship with them and the people around them. And I ask you, are you doing all you can to build these relationships right now? I know there was guys I was calling last year at UCLA building a relationship with. I didn't know where it would go. And now, you know, I have an easy easy transition with them if they have, a, if they have somebody we were trying to recruit here. Um, I also encourage you to create multiple lists. Think outside the box, you know have different kind of lists. You know, if you got a job in New York City tomorrow, who would be the 10 guys you think you'd be able to recruit? You know, if you're a uh, California guy and you got a job in NorCal, who, who are some, who are 10 to 15 kids in, in NorCal where you have relationships with people around there where you can get to know them and, uh, you know, junior college lists, et cetera, just, you know, get creative. Uh, I remember during my interview process with coach, one day he hit me out of the blue. He asked me who, who are the five best shooters available in on the west coast and I actually had that list I was able to within seconds you know hit him back over and say these are the guys that would be available right now so I encourage you to just continue to think outside the box and start thinking okay maybe there maybe there's a chance tomorrow I get a call up from coach or a a job opportunity pops up make sure you're ready to go then just some random thoughts on recruiting Um, I think it's very important to recruit to the fit and what your coach wants to wants to do offensively, defensively, and and culture-wise rather than just because a guy might be rated high major or five stars. You know, does he fit in with the way your coach wants to play? Another great uh, tip for staff or something I did this past year was I did it on a Sunday, Sunday night. I would send out the weekly schedule for every recruit. So I had our 2020 list, 2021, 2022, and I would send out every Sunday. This is where all the 20 guys are playing this week. This is where all the 21 guys are playing, all the 22 guys that we're recruiting. What this does, it makes your assistant coach's jobs a lot easier. You know, when Coach Cronin calls them say, hey, where's your, where's your guy playing on Wednesday? We have an off day. You know, maybe we go see him. He can just pull up that email real quick and be like, oh, he's playing, at, you know, he's playing here. Um, it also gives you a good reason to connect with high school coaches because, as you know, things change a lot. Just because somebody gave you a schedule in October uh, doesn't mean that that game may be on the same date in February. But what it would do for me is, especially as the season went later on, it gave me an excuse to call so-and-so just to make sure they were playing, but also a good way to kind of have some good reason to uh, to reach out to them. And it also keeps you in the know. You know, when your staff knows that you're keeping track of this, you become a guy that, you know, subconsciously to them becomes the expert on it. You know, reach out, what, what happened with that is guys would always come to me, hey, who's where's so-and-so playing today? Do you know where he's playing next week? Uh, or even Coach Cronin would come to me, hey, do you know where – so-and-so's playing on Thursday, I'm thinking about giving Thursday off, but if he's playing Friday, maybe we'll give Friday off. Then last thing on recruiting, I would, I challenge you to avoid groupthink and challenge the status quo, you know, just because everyone's thinking this guy might be a no-brainer for us. Maybe you look at some ways to, you know, kind of play devil's advocate a little bit, or if your staff's like, ah, not big enough, he's not fast enough, well, maybe you could find something skill-wise that he does that really fits what you guys are doing. So I just challenge you to Uh, while you're looking for the best fit for your head coach, also try to challenge why people may think or may not think that that person's the right fit for you guys. Next thing I want to get into, uh, because it definitely applies to things you could take on with recruiting in your own career, is building relationships. Um, I think this is something I do a very good job of. You know, I was not a former player. Uh, I didn't have a lot of connections coming up, and I really had to work on this. And you know kind of build my own connections from scratch and some of the techniques i've gone on that have helped me the last couple years is first and foremost realize that right now we live in an age where you can get to know anybody you want to know at the end of the day if you want to reach out to somebody they might not hit you back but you you can somehow have an avenue to get in touch with almost anybody right take advantage of that um First who, then what, right? This goes back to the book I mentioned earlier, Good to Great by Jim Collins. He talks about the concept of first who, then what? To Who in your life is way more important than the what or the where you work, right? Who are going to be your mentors? Who are going to be your friends? Now, who are the, the people you're going to surround yourself with in the business? Be very careful who you choose to be a mentor and you know, where you want to work. Just because a school might have a great name, you know, If they don't have a history of helping guys out and helping guys on the staff move on, maybe that's not the right place for you. I was lucky uh, to be around uh, great people who wanted to mentor me and help me take the next level. And I, I know that the reason I'm where I am is you know, not necessarily because of the places or the names of places I worked, it was because of who I worked for at that time. I always tell people there's three kinds of people in the business. There's the people who won't call for you. There's people if you ask them to call, they might make a call. And there's people that even if you haven't asked them uh, they're going to make calls for you. And I was lucky, you know, at Cincinnati and uh, UCLA to work with Coach Cronin and Coach Darren Savino. Those guys were, were number three, man. They, even if I didn't know, they were trying to get me involved with a spot or they were trying to help me out uh, any way they can. And um, I'm forever grateful to those guys. And I feel like it's my obligation to do what those two guys did for me and try to help, you know, younger people move on. And even maybe if there's somebody that might be a little older than me, help them if I have a connection. And I'm a big believer in, You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So it's very important to surround yourself with like minded people as far as where you want to get to in life. And uh, because that's going to be, you know, kind of the the thought process you're going to take is those people you're with every day. I also think it's important to reverse engineer your goals in life. You know, if you're somebody who wants to become a head coach, think about working backwards, right? You know, who do you need to get to know? Obviously, you might need to get to know people who are going to become athletic directors. Uh, you need to get to know people that might be boosters at a school, uh, people who may have been the head coach at the school before. you know think backwards in those people you can obviously start to build relationships with, but they 've also been there or going through a process that they can help you and say, "Hey, this is how you can help get to that level um, then I think it 's important, like I said with recruiting, we always worry about who do we need to get to know uh, next, but you also know a lot of people right now already right if you're if you 're on this this call right now, most likely you 're on a staff of some sort you know Get to know the people you work with even better. Get to know the people in their coaching tree. Um, it's been exciting to get to know, like Coach Allen and Coach Dave, man. Those guys' trees is huge. And I'm excited to get to know the people that they've worked with and uh, continue to build relationships, not only with them, but the people in their past. Uh, next thing I want to go into, obviously, I know it can be a little scary reaching out to people at sometimes. People would consider a cold call. Well, I don't believe in cold calls. I believe in what I call, you know, warming up the cold call. And how, how do you go about that? I think it's important to find uncommon commonalities between you and whoever you're trying to get to know. What does that mean? That means doing your research on them. Uh, you know, maybe there's a there's a coach you you uh, you want to reach out to. You don't think you know anything about him, but you do some research on him, and you think, like, oh, he coached at LMU ten years ago. Maybe that's a great excuse to be like, hey, coach, you know, I'm I'm so and so. I used to coach at LMU. I'm here now. I want to you know, ask you for some advice on not only moving up the coaching ladder, but navigating this, uh, this university. Also think when you want to reach out to people, man, people love to talk about themselves, right? I'm, I'm going on forever right here. Uh, when you want to reach out to somebody, and get to know somebody, you know, don't be beat, beat on you and all your success. Make sure you let them know, hey, I want to learn from you. I want to I want to get better by, you know, taking a five minutes, 10 minutes to take you to coffee and, and get to know about your story and how you got to where you are. Also say this too, don't play around with people's schedule. Um, If someone's going to block time out, especially somebody who's quote unquote above you and, you know, in your profession or career you're trying to get to, don't mess around with that. If a guy says, call them at 12, call them at 12. Always make sure you have a a handful of questions ready, but you know, be, you know, do your best to let the conversations organically flow, you know, let people talk, become a great listener. Uh, Don't feel the need to jump in while they're talking. I, I can't stand that when somebody calls me and, they're jumping in and saying oh that's great yeah you're right like just let people talk uh try to make the conversation feel a lot more natural and not like an interview i also encourage it and not shy away from uh vulnerability what i mean by that is you know don't don't hesitate to tell somebody hey you know i've interviewed for two or three spots i didn't get either one i'm trying to how do i get over that hump you know people want to help people and a great follow-up tactic uh something i've done with uh, administrators throughout the country and some coaches I've got to know is I like to take notes when someone takes their time out of the day to speak with me and I like to follow up with them with their own notes right I try to help them document their philosophy so let's say if coach Johnson got on a call with me I'm trying to learn from him and he's telling me about all the things he did at Marquette or all the things he did at Arizona State and Utah to help him get where he is I, I would write that stuff down I would send it to him or whoever I'm talking to I'd be like, hey this is what I learned today uh, if there's anything I didn't if there's anything that looks wrong here please correct me and send it back if you don't mind i feel free to keep this and you know pass it along so what that helps people do is it helps them become a multiplier right they have their own philosophy down pat if they have the guys on the staff they want to share it with they can pass that along uh, it helps them record their do- their their thoughts and I also think it's important to identify gatekeepers so a gatekeeper would be somebody who has access to the person you want to get to know for if you want to get to know a head coach or an athletic director that might be their secretary sometimes it's best to to go through them and make sure you're very, you know, very courteous and nice to people. Cause those people could just, a lot of times you send an email to a head coach or an, or an athletic director, it's going to somebody else. And that person has the opportunity to just throw that in the trash or pass it along. So make sure you take advantage of uh, being positive in those relationships. So what do you do after you've been able to uh, get in touch with somebody? Well, you got to stay in touch, right? What's your plan for that? First and foremost, the thing I encourage everybody to do today, if you're serious about taking your relationships to the next level, you got to have them all somewhere. Whether that's a, you know, a CRM, which is a contact relationship management software, which there's tons of apps for that, or just a, you know, a standard Excel sheet. You know, I challenge you. to one thing I like to do is I like to put people in what I would call buckets. So that could be people I worked with at Cincinnati, people I worked with at UCLA, uh, head coaches, uh, assistant coaches that I think might become a head coach. Um, high school coaches of guys I've recruited already other high school coaches in the country make sure you're more specific so you know like all right when this situation comes up or if something like this happens this is the people I need to reach out to and then I challenge you to make sure you have a little system who are you reaching out to every two weeks who are you reaching out to every month Um, some of your buckets might be different you know there might be some people that you worked with in the past you're not working with them now they might be on the other side of the country I'm gonna check in with him every two three months Well, there might be a high school coach you want to check in with every two weeks. I'd make sure you have that down pat as far as what your system is for following up with people Um, and hold yourself accountable, man. I I think it's very important to write down and track how many calls you made for the week, Um, you know, reward yourself. If you you did something well, if you say, if you set yourself a goal to uh, hit 20 people that week, you know, if you, if you, if you reach the level, you know, take yourself out to dinner, do something to make yourself to trigger your mind to constantly want to reach your goals as far as relationship building. I also think quality versus quantity is a, is very important. So what I mean by quality, when you're staying in touch, um, you got to have a purpose to stay in touch. You got to bring some value to them. It's not just the quantity of, Hey, I'm going to send this guy a message, just checking in every week. Um, That's really not doing, that's not doing much for people. I'll go into that next. So very important. If someone's going to want to have a relationship with you, you gotta be bringing some sort of value to them, right? Are you a giver or a taker? You know, a giver understands it's not a zero sum game. They truly wanna help people even if they don't get no benefits. They're constantly adding to the relationship. Um, A taker would be somebody who's just more worried about personal benefit. You know, I think of every relationship I have is I have a, I call it the bank account theory. I wanna make as many deposits into that bank account before I have to one day make a withdrawal, right? So when I have so many deposits in there in that relationship with that person, I brought them so much value that they don't even think twice about helping me if I need that help. I know a lot of people have asked me, what are some examples of adding value? Um, I think it depends on the person. I think it's very important to, uh, you know, kind of get to know that person and, you know, where they are in their career. You know, it might be, you know, let's say Coach Savino at UCLA, he's getting ready to play uh, Arizona. We played them in the non-conference schedule. I see he's got them in a couple weeks, and I had that scout. I'm going to send coach my scout, maybe any play calls I might've had, or, you know, maybe coach Ricky, uh, worked for the Milwaukee bucks this past year. I see a great article on Mike Budenholzer, right? A guy he used to work for, I'm going to send that over to him. Just ways that you can kind of stay top of, top of mind with people to, uh, where you're reaching out, it's not a pain. You're always kind of bringing them, you know, something of value. And, you know, the benefit of, uh, taking your time to really build some relationships is, you know, word of mouth, right? It's very important. What are people going to say about you when you're not around? They're going to say, I got, there's two things. I'd be very blunt for you. It's either either to be positive or it's going to be negative. There's usually not a lot of middle ground. Have you done a good enough job adding value to somebody's life that it's going to be a positive thing? Uh, or is it going to be negative? I, that's why you want to make sure you're, you're bringing as much value uh, to people as you can. Not only that you're trying to build relationships with, but in your own office, right? If you're not bringing value to people that, you know, your assistant coach is your head coach, he's not going to be positive recommending you for a job then uh, very important, I call it above you, where you are and below you, right? There's three different kinds of people that you're gonna come across and wanna build relationships with. First, it's gonna be those people above you, right? Where you're trying to get to go to. Second is gonna be guys where you are right now. For me, that would be other, you know, first and second year assistant coaches, guys that have been assistant coaches for a short amount of time. And then the next thing would be the people that are, you know, quote unquote, below you, guys that are trying to take that step to becoming an assistant coach. I think it's important to note that each one of those conversations is, is a very different kind of, say, co- different kind of conversation, right? Um, and was, I've talked a lot about, you know, relationship building with the people above you before, but what are you doing to help out the guys that are going through what you're going through right now? Uh, maybe is there something that you've come across, whether it was coaching on the floor or in a recruiting conversation that, you know, your buddy so-and-so at St. John's or Harvard, somebody could call him and say, hey, hey, Chris, this is what I, I was dealing with this, this month. Uh, have you come across this? Or, if you come across this, this is how I handled it. And the people below you, um, you gotta make sure you take care of them, right? If you expect people to help you climb the ladder, you need to help others climb up as well. Um, Cause you're gonna see them on your way down. Uh, make the people ahead of you look great. You know, never worry about taking credit. You know, if you're working with the right people, they will take care of you. And I think it's important, uh, train your replacement, man. Do not lose an opportunity because no one else is ready to step in. The worst thing to happen would be, if a spot opened on your staff, You were so good at what you currently did, you know, your coach couldn't afford to bump you up because there was nobody below you that would be ready to step in. Make sure like, you know, if you're a video guy, make sure there's a manager or GA, somebody you're training man that could, you know, if if there's an opportunity for you to move up, somebody knows how to turn the video on. Somebody knows how to use sports code. Next, just some random relationship thoughts, you know, make sure you're playing the long game. Uh, Don't reach out to somebody expecting to get a job from them next week, you know, play the long game with them. You know, try to build a relationship with a guy over the course of five, 10 years, you know, the rest of your life, um, you know, get, get to really know people, uh, attend conferences. Um, one of the best things I've done over the last couple of years, I've tried to go to as many clinics and conferences as I, I can. You know, even if I wasn't, even if I'd heard speakers, pro- you know, previously at other, at other times, um, I still would go to conferences, mainly not even to, to learn from speakers, but mostly to meet new people. Um, there's a lot of times, you know, during breaks, you know, when it's that time for speaker to speaker or, or a lunch break, uh, make the most of that time. Go up, introduce yourself to a couple of people, exchange contact information. I mean, I went to a, a clinic years ago in, in Las Vegas, and it was a young coach's clinic. And some of my best friends in the business, I met there, you know, over the course of that weekend. Uh, also, thing is it's very important, man. I said it before, it doesn't cost anything to be nice. Uh, always return a call, text, email. Remember how you started. You know, you started at a point. Uh, where you were reaching out to everybody, and remember how disheartening that felt when somebody didn't get back to you. You know, it, it takes a couple seconds to return an email, a couple seconds to return a text message. And uh, you know, think of relationships like muscles. You know, if you don't work on them, you know, you're going to lose what you have built. So constantly uh, be working on those relationships. Last part, I just wanted to recommend a couple of books that I've read that I felt like have really helped in uh, relationship building. Um, I know we'll send Mike will send these notes out to you guys over the next uh, over the next day or so, I think. So Uh, Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi, that's the ultimate, I mean, that's the Bible of uh, relationship building, just as far as staying in touch with people and uh, a lot of the points I went over. Um, Give and Take by Adam Grant, that's a great book as far as how to become a giver um, and the importance of, you know, adding value to people without expecting anything in return. And one I actually just finished up last week, Success is in Your Sphere.